Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone. I'm, well... It's obvious. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in the 80s in Sydney. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. This season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family... From the Morehouse murders to haunted highways. This season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. As you all know, Long Island architect Rex Hewerman has been arrested for the murder of multiple victims in Gilgo Beach. There are 11 victims, uh, many of whom were identified until recently, but at this point he's been charged for the murders of three women who died in the killings known as the Gilgo Beach murders. Now, over the past few weeks, Dad and I have been looking at this case, and this week there are a whole bunch of, God, pretty terrifying loose threads that we really want to try and look into or tie up if you want to continue with the metaphor. Now, Dad, one thing that I wanted to point out just quickly is that I heard a quote from a uh, former sex worker who is now an advocate with an outreach program. And uh, they said, police departments often refer to it as an NHI case, no humans involved. You feel like the only way you'll be remembered is when they catch the serial killer who killed you. And then they'll make five movies about him and no one will remember your name. And it turns out that three of her friends were sex workers in Chicago and they've all turned up dead and she goes on to say you see someone you become friends with them and then one day they're suddenly just not there we'd all go out asking around and looking for them and then a few days later a body would be found there's always this specific fear that it's a serial killer sometimes we never even get a body back to bury and we wonder will law enforcement take it seriously because it's just another sex worker Dad, in Electric Blue, one of the cases that you talked about, I believe, involved a sex worker who was found on a cliff. Now, what? Mm. Forgive, forgive me if I'm wrong, but was she a sex worker? She was. She was a prostitute. Uh, okay. Uh, from King's Cross. Mm-hmm. And the listeners may recall one of the more poignant aspects to that particular story. Um, firstly, the way she was found, it was purely by accident. Can you uh, run, run us through how they found her again? Yeah, a bunch of uh, road workers uh, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Hot, hot summer. 
like we're talking 40 degrees, they pulled up at a non-specific undesignated point on an old highway yeah. called the Old Pacific Highway, which is not uh, frequented by a lot of cars, mainly motorbikes, because of the curves. And they set up a, uh, a makeshift campfire and they, they boiled a brew, like, you know, Billy tea, and they were just having an, uh, a morning tea break from memory. And one of them, they were sort of sitting on these, sort of sitting on a like a safety fence. On the other side of the safety fence was a 45 degree ravine that went mm-hmm. down into incredibly dense bush. And it was it was one of those situations where, and it happens occasionally, where if a car had have had have crashed, and I hate to say this, but it does happen where cars crash, but there's no one else around. They go down off roads into these ravines, and sometimes they're not found for years. Uh, because and, and if they're trapped in the vehicle, yeah, but not life threatening, they die of exposure or something. So they've smelt this incredible odor, and that's the case where the police rescue squad attached ropes to my body, and they basically fed me down this forty-five degree cliff. Mm-hmm. With my massive camera, yeah. old old school, and there was the body of a prostitute who had been murdered. And when we got her up onto the road, that's when I noticed that the the famous, the infamous button. Remember that story? Yeah. And how a detective came up and basically crushed my hand, uh, metaphorically saying to me. Uh, just leave that bit of evidence there. Thank you. We'll look after that. And she had the little $1 bills that were folded up into micro squares and they were concealed in the lining of her leather jacket. And no one really, no one cared. Uh, and that was very familiar with people sort of profile you as to your occupation. You can bet your bottom dollar if it had been a magistrate, police officer, school teacher, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Uh, they would have been given the right royal treatment in terms of what everyone is entitled to. So, yep. you know, I, I concur. Um, and it's an international uh, problem because people, the, the morality police, and God knows we've got lots of those around, they even, it's an unbiased prejudice with some people. Some people might not even on the surface be aware that they have this prejudice. I can think of heaps of uh, people that have got prejudices and it has to come through into their work. Just quickly, what do you mean the morality police? People that say, oh, well, I'm not going to say that they, you know, if you absolutely, I, I don't like to bring in biblical metaphors, but, you know, the Old Testament, eye for an eye. So people... People judge, they, and we all do it. Are you saying that people judge sex workers when in fact they're, they're just people and they should? They're just people. Okay, yeah. So I, I, yes, I wasn't sure what you meant by morality police. You mean people who, uh, who tut at the fact that they're sex workers. Correct. Fact, and and okay. they, they, they make a moral judgment and that unfortunately, mm-hmm. and, and the facts speak for themselves. I come back to the point of social status. Yeah. People, it is not a level playing field. Yeah, Clearly. Uh, I mean, yeah. And, I mean, and in Melbourne, you've got certain suburbs where if certain crimes happen in certain sh- suburbs as opposed to other suburbs, you can bet your bottom dollar 
um, it, it, it will have an impact. Well, the people who went missing on the, that stretch of beach, you know, many of whom are unidentified, quite a few of whom aren't linked to this case, all, all of them were in sort of slipping through the cracks of society. You're right. Mm. If they were, you know, barristers and cops and whatever, I think it would have been a very different affair because, mm. you know, people weren't looking for them. People weren't listening and it kind of reached the critical mass. And now things are happening where there's so much focus on this case that, Dad, it was raised to my attention that Rex Hewerman's 1977 uh, high school yearbook from when he was in junior high is for sale or was for sale on eBay selling for close to $1,000 USD. Now, we've talked about dark tourism before uh, mm. in, in reference to, I think it was the Snowtown murders where basically the town has been engulfed because people go there to take photos in front of the place where there were barrels with bodies decomposing downstairs. This is not that far off. There is actually a law in effect in some parts of America called the Son of Sam Law. Uh, which stops you from uh, making profit off uh, crimes, which I think is a really, really great step. But the law was overturned in 1991, so it didn't actually last long. Now, speaking of dark tourism, Hewerman's house. Now, Massapequa Park is where Hewerman's house was. Hewerman has a now, I believe, ex-wife, uh, although I, I know she's filed for divorce, and that is very understandable. Hewerman has two fully grown children, two adult kids. So there is a wife and kids who are having to deal with hordes of people heading to Massapequa Park to see the house, right? Mm. L- literal dark tourism happening right now. I'm going to read from an article here. With throngs of people descending on Hewerman's house, Massapequa Park Mayor Daniel Pearl said neighbors, and I quote, have a lot of concerns in terms of quality of life, their safety, and their property. At a community meeting on Monday night, Pearl said Nassau County Police have committed to adding video surveillance and additional patrols to ease neighbors' concerns. He said the town is also looking into the possibility of buying the property. Legally, we're getting everything lined up so that the village is prepared to move forward when the time comes. What do they mean when they say buy the property, Dad? I guess they will uh, buy it, then demolish it. Get rid of it. They're not going to turn it into a museum. Um... Because I think that even they would understand that that is bizarre. Can you imagine? Look, there are people on either side and in the same street and opposite that live now Mm. opposite ostensibly. uh, Although, caveat here, Mm. he hasn't been found guilty. Um, So, one thing that I find disturbing, Paul, well, if I can just touch on... A previous point you mentioned very briefly. In Australia, we do have the proceeds of crime uh, law. Interesting. Where you cannot benefit from. In other words, you can't go out, become a serial killer, mass murderer, rapist. You know, there's a string of crimes that would, for example, give you a jail sentence in Australia. You then can't come out and then write a book and profit from the sale. Gotcha. That's that's enshrined in law in Australia. Because it does tend to piss people off, knowing that people, particularly the the families of, you know, the victims. It's just, and then you've got the whole thing about movies and, look. It's ghoulish and it's tricky. But then one of the sad things that has struck me about this particular case is that the wife and the 33-year-old son who has, who clearly has serious intellectual and learning disabilities, it's been stated, uh, the mother has mentioned this, 
and the daughter who's in her mid-twenties that worked in the same firm as her dad, which creates all sorts of extraordinary emotional trauma. Well, the family had to get out of the house for 12 days. They've just been uh, allowed to come back to their home and I've seen photographs of what the investigating teams have done. They, they've even gone so far as to cut away the side of the bathtub. So you can bet your bottom dollar after 12 days, uh, they have done a search okay. that is indescribable. The beds, the mattresses, yep. and the lounge suite, they shredded them. They piled... They had three cats. And all the cat trays and you know the, the, the enclosures were basically just thrown into this. It's, I've seen the photographs. And this is causing a fairly serious degree of consternation. And I find it a little bit upsetting to then say to the family, yeah. you can come back home, mm -hmm. but the home is unlivable. In fact, the mother had to, she tried to find a seat, a chair for her son to sit on. And she went down into the basement and retrieved one chair so that the son could sit and she has been quoted as saying that her children now that's not to be confused with the term as in a young person yes but they clearly are her children they according to her are basically crying themselves to sleep every night yeah and one of the most terrible mass murderers in American history who was called the happy face murderer who was uh -huh. a an interstate trucker yeah he murdered nine female hitchhikers he used to come home and as far as his daughter was concerned he was the best dad in the world and it wasn't until her father was arrested and behind bars she went in to see him that she finally got closure and decided that she was going to you know, not acknowledge that she had a father and she, in the last few days, has actually met up with the, uh, the wife and, and two kids. She's come in. She's now in her mid-30s uh -huh. to, to offer them emotional support because she's saying that the victims, yeah. you know, the, the, the innocent family members in these cases, they then be, become, the media then and the public then polarize and channel some of their anger and bizarre theories towards the the family it's not that they want to scapegoat it's that they need they want to try and figure more out about and this is reading into their best possible intentions is they want to find out more about the uh what it what it must have been like to be that close to a serial killer for years if indeed he is one and uh they're trying to get insights and the, and the best way is to go straight to the source. But dad, you mentioned the, um, the house being torn apart. The house mm. in question is on Massapequa Park's first Avenue. Okay. And it's a six room wood paneled house. You can look it up on Google maps, but the irony is that human was 
you know, uh, an architect. Hmm. But his main job, because in 1994 he founded a firm, and a couple of episodes ago we we talked about the address in New York where the firm was, and talked about different cell tower pings that were within walking distance of the firm. But hmm. my point is, uh, it wasn't architectural design that he focused on. It was helping rich clients get around uh, strict building codes Mm. to sort of get away with renovations, which were kind of dancing the line. Mm. So it seems ironic to me that his house has been torn asunder in an act of unrenovation. Like it seems somewhat... Deconstructed. It's really been deconstructed. And speaking of the house, I need to talk about the house a little bit. Mm. Okay. Mm. So first of all... um, We've already established that said house, said wood-paneled house, has been beset by gawkers. Um, There's literally people parked around the house from sundown to sunset. Locals, people have come in, true crime fans, kids riding past on their bikes. I mean, it's getting really hectic. But uh, Ray Turney, who is now heading up the prosecution of the case, Mm -hmm. um, has said that they're actually done with the search of the house now. Uh, And he's described the house as cluttered. He said that there's a lot of evidence taken from the house. And he said, including uh, 279 weapons. So there are photographs online, if you want to look them up. Uh, They put an excavator in the backyard, Dad, and they've dug into the backyard. They've been using stuff to sense... Mm. uh, I don't know what you call it, but they've been using kind of different uh, instruments to see if there's anything underneath the dirt to Mm. dictate whether they need to dig. Because they're not sure whether any killings took place at the house. But uh, people are starting to think that it's possible that that one uh, that that one happened. But I'm going to read a piece here from uh, the Associated Press. A yellow excavator that had been seen scooping dirt in the backyard Sunday was still at the house Monday morning. In Associated Press drone footage, a man could also be seen operating a piece of equipment that can be used to scan for buried objects. Like I said. Over the weekend, police dismantled a wooden deck at the house. They yelled lift and brought it up in one big piece as if it was a cover. Cover. A neighbor, Barry Oslander, told the AP. The porch has been replaced by a white tent with a state medical examiner's truck parked nearby. Investigators with shovels could be seen scraping through the freshly upturned earth in Human's yard. Now, I will keep reading. Though there is speculation that some or all of the murders may have taken place in the home... Harrison, and this is um, Suffolk Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison, said that he could not confirm if any of the victims had ever visited. The search of Hewman's home still continues. This is obviously a, uh, from a different time. The New York Post has reported that a room in Hewman's basement... Dad, this is the bit I wanted to talk about. A room in Hewman's basement may have been soundproof, but speculated that it may be the same vault that police have said the alleged killer kept his enormous collection of firearms in, as established over 200 firearms. Harrison reported this observation, saying that no soundproof room was found. One of Hewman's former co-workers told the Post that the architect took time off to install the concrete-lined room, and I quote, It's not just a hidden room, it's a serious vault. It had a huge, heavy-duty safe door. He went and poured new concrete walls, massive amounts of concrete to encase this room. It was maybe two or three feet thick. What are your thoughts on this, Dad? Well, without chatting with the guy, if I was his attorney, I would simply say to the court that it was a, a bunker in preparation, like a doomsday bunker. Uh, and just say you think, that it was a, you think it was a prepper, a prepper. or you think that's what the defence will be saying? Well, you know, that's a lot of firearms. 
I mean, we don't know whether he even used any of the firearms, and we also... I, I'm quite sure we know that there's no ballistics evidence to to link, you know, cause a gunshot wound. So that to me is... It's, I think it's a different strand to this story. Okay. I don't think it's related. Uh, yes, they're very thick walls, but you could say that, yes, he, he was... Again, if I was his defence attorney, I'd say that he was very mindful of, um, of the safety to the public, i.e. he kept his guns well and truly locked away. And there is an aspect to this story from an antique dealing perspective, and that is to say that, again, I'm just sort of, you know, spitballing, I use that expression. Mm. Um, he may have been a collector of firearms, Let's... A genuine collector of, of firearms. In other words, he, he may not have even been an avid shooter. He may have simply been absolutely... Because we don't know whether any of them were antiques. Yeah. You know, look, there's so much stuff. We don't know whether he had ammunition for the... Gun, yeah, uh, gun, cultures, gun culture in America is deeply fucked. It's, 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 it's incredible. It's so bizarre that you can have a basement, a soundproof basement full of hundreds of guns, almost 300 guns, and go, well, he's American, so maybe um, it's not a... Yes, but Paul, I mean, to me, and this yeah. is going to sound somewhat naive to possibly a few people, mm. but I don't actually find any correlation between the murders... And the firearms. I don't, don't find th- any correlation at all. Yes, but you're the person who takes character statements into account. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if somebody says they're well-spoken, you, you go, well, that's interesting. Whereas you're saying 279 guns doesn't say anything about his character. <laughs> but Paul, Paul, we need to establish whether or not he was a collector of firearms. Okay, from, but, from, from you know, like I, I've been yeah. into, I've seen people that collect dolls, for example, which is which <laughs> brings up something rather. Hang on, whoa, I, there's a point to this because okay, uh, I've been into people's houses where they've got 
in excess of $2,000. Okay. Okay, that's a lot of dolls. Yeah. Particularly if it's a middle-aged man. Like, but to each their own. However, there is something a little bit unusual, and we don't know who belonged to this particular doll, but there have been reports... (laughs) of a large, like, life-size doll being brought out of the house. Have you heard about that? No, I hadn't heard about that. So, I mean, is it perhaps a sex doll? It's not that I think it... it, It's (laughs) not that I think it changes anything. It just... Look, here's what I will say. I think this is worth pointing out. Mm. Uh, A lot of the soundproof room stuff is coming from primarily tabloids, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, I try and take tabloids with as everyone should, a goddamn pinch of salt. But the problem is they always lean on, you know, the neighbor who's been a bit of a sticky beak. And dad, as you can attest, when there's a strange noise or a bit of goss going on in the neighborhood, guess who's looking out a window and peeking and talking about it? It's everyone. Yeah, I agree. But but also, Paul, a, a, a room that has three foot thick walls is by its very nature soundproof. So was his objective to build a soundproof room or more likely a secure room. And it's very obvious and it's very, it's human nature for everyone to start tying threads together and okay, yes, we've got this person that's been arrested and charged with killing a number of people. Yeah. So then everything else is looked at under a different light. That's I guess that's my point. Okay, so if you keep going down this rabbit hole of tabloid nonsense, mm. one good thing you get is... Good, I say good. One interesting thing you get is, you know, drone footage. The AP sends a drone above uh, above the yard where the excavation's happening, and you can literally see footage of a bunch of detectives and cops lifting up the deck and putting a tent over a space. Now, typically speaking, if there are men in white boiler suits and there's a tent put over a, uh, a hole they've dug in the backyard of a murder suspect, mm-hmm. that doesn't bode well. I agree. But the article then takes a turn and pivots towards this piece. This guy is a wacko. Robert Musto, 64, a retired Long Island rail worker and longtime Massapequa Park neighbor, told the Post on Sunday, referring to Hewman. He's got a soundproof room in his basement. Musto said he was told by cops at the scene. What do you think that was for? They're saying there's evidence he killed at least one of the girls down there, the Long Island neighbor said. The cops are going to dig all that out. Said they're focused on the soundproof room in the basement, but they're going to look at everything. Now, on the one hand, it is possible one of the cops talked to a 64-year-old rail worker, nosy, looky-loo neighbor, and went, yeah, there's a fucking soundproof room down there. This is intense. Or it's possible that this is literally just gossip and the article shouldn't be using this as a primary source. But we will get back to the room at some point in the during the court case, I assume. If there mm. is a fucking murder room that's been soundproofed and built custom-made, then that will come out. But what I want to pivot towards now, Dad, is something that really upset me and something you mentioned Quite a few times in the past. Now, I'm going to kick off this pivot with a quote from Phil Boyle, who was a former New York state senator. And he said, they could have caught this guy a decade ago. Now, Phil Boyle's district included uh, the Gilgo Beach area. So it was on his patch that these bodies were found. But the New York Times put out a very big account about how they found the body. But uh, the account then talked about the fact that the description of the uh, Chevrolet Avalanche, right? The one that was seen outside, I believe, Amber Costello's apartment. We've talked mm. about this a few times, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- that, was, that evidence, that account, was sitting there on file for a long time, I believe over a decade. Mm. 
Now, if I read from this piece, the description of the vehicle in the driveway, a dark first-generation Chevrolet Avalanche ended up tucked away in the case file, the authorities said. The fact lay buried for years among hundreds of thousands of pages of interviews. It goes on. Now, this is another thing I wanted to get your thoughts on. James Burke the swaggering police chief who had been running the department since 2012 was arrested in 2015 and later convicted on federal civil rights and obstruction of justice charges. Dad, I didn't know about this until right now. He had beaten a suspect who had been arrested after stealing cigars and a bag which contained pornography and sex toys from Mr. Burke's sport utility vehicle. The subsequent cover-up ensnared the district attorney at the time, Thomas J. Spoda, who also landed in prison. The federal investigation into Suffolk County's top lawmen spanned years during the Gilgo Beach case, a period during which both Mr. Burke and Mr. Spoda spurned help from the FBI. Dad, mm. this is what you were talking about, isn't it? Yeah. So imagine if you're a police officer, yeah. you've got some, to use an example, some pretty hardcore pornography, and... Not I'm not I'm not talking like a Playboy magazine. I'm talking something a little bit more nefarious. And someone breaks into your house, or in this case, car, and steals that pornography and maybe a few other things. Because you're a senior police officer, you manage to track the person down and you're absolutely worried. You don't want this getting out that, you know, you've got a proclivity to a certain type of, you know, sexual persuasion, for example, even though it might all be just in your mind and the public might not actually react so badly, but you're shitting yourself. So you beat the shit out of the suspect. Uh, And then it all starts to unravel. You then get the, um, you know, the, the top people involved uh, that are going to prosecute you for what you've done and you collude and it's a little bit like the case of the very senior judge in New South Wales Mm -hmm. that drove through a red light it took a photograph of him he so it's a very very minor offense he's a judge for some weird reason he tells the Department of Transport in Sydney that it actually was a woman driving. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, yep. A, it wasn't the woman, it was him, but B, even worse, the woman that this judge used was actually deceased and he went to jail. So this is a, an example of how something relatively minor that you should have just copped its sweet, he decided to to run with it and it's blown out and they've tried to cover it up and it's all turned to shit it's it's very very problematic paul not uncommon and the situation and it happens across the world where police forces often are reluctant to use other services available when i was in the new south wales police force there was a visceral disdain for Commonwealth Police. And the Commonwealth Police in Australia, at least as far as the New South Wales Police were concerned back in the 80s, they had a nickname and they were called Plastics. The Plastic Police. 
plastic meaning they're not real. They're pretend, they're one-dimensional. That has changed, but there's this thing with the FBI and, and state authorities in America, and you know that the FBI have got their, their very famous uh, profiling unit. They offered to assist back then. Yeah. And through infighting and all sorts of, you know, egos, uh, you know, all, all that sort of stuff, they they were not looking at the at the root, sort of the common good that could have been achieved, and this information about the you know the behemoth of a man and the car, that whole thing, whilst there is a record of it, for some reason was buried deep, and we yeah, don't so know we don't know whether it was buried about, on purpose. What you're talking about is so witnesses gave the cops the description we talked about about mm. the hulking ogre-like man who was. Uh, over six feet four, driving a first-generation Chevrolet Avalanche, and <laughs> it wasn't until way later. I mean, again, that's sitting in the file for over a decade, and the people working on the case at the time uh, didn't. They don't seem to know what's know. like how it got lost in the mix. I know, I know. Paul Human also owns two other properties in other states. Did you know right. that? Right. No, I didn't. And. Obviously, they're looking at other similar cases in other states tied to these other residences. Mm -hmm. If this man is found guilty, then... Now, they know that his MO in terms of burner phones and sex workers was happening up until a few months ago. Mm -hmm. So... 12 years is a long, long time between murders, isn't it? Everything yeah. about him, or the offender, his MO is, is continually replicated. It's only good policing to make the assumption that the murders did not stop 12 years ago. And that is a hypothesis that I believe in. Well, just quickly, after uh, Burke... Was that his name? Burke, the guy who got uh, basically taken off the case because of those uh, the crimes and the concealing of stuff and the beating of a witness and all that other bullshit. So a new guy gets assigned, right? And then he gets he keeps getting sort of stonewalled by Portella, who is the um, who is in charge, and effectively they. It's such a clusterfuck that it's not until uh, Turney gets put in charge, right? Because mm. um, Turney took office last year, right? Mm. And uh, it wasn't until he... Basically, all of the work got done after he was brought on board, okay? There's still a lot of stuff left to do. There's still, uh, I believe at this point, six unsolved murders, which they haven't figured out whether they were linked or not. Obviously, they've only charged Human with three, but... There are so many stories out there about how the prosecutors and law enforcement didn't cooperate. I don't know if they hid evidence, but whether it's incompetence or not, this is over a decade. I mean, if it turns out that Human committed more crimes, is what I'm saying, in that intervening period. If it turns out he did commit more crimes since mm. the bodies were found and, and they could have put him away. What sort of retribution or justice is there? And... Is incompetence any excuse? It's nearly impossible to um, to point the finger specifically because there are so many people involved. 
It's, it's, it's nearly impossible. It would take an inquiry years. And at the end, no, it's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, but it's going to leave a, a very bad taste in, in the public's um, collective mouth. But also, there are positive things to come out of this case. And that will be that, again, it's a, it's a, an indicator to police agencies that, you know, they they must uh, try and treat everyone with the same reverence. I mean, let me read this. Of, uh, yeah. Let me read this quote from the Washington Post, just regarding the sort of weird behind-the-scenes bullshit going on. Two law enforcement officials involved in the case said task force members were also under strict orders not to share information with Steve Ballone, the longtime county executive who previously appointed Burke, the later convicted police chief. Here's a quote. It was believed by members of the task force that if he would learn about the investigation, he would seek to get publicity out of it at the expense of catching a serial killer. Instead, they said the top elected official in the county was told about humans impending arrest on July 13, the night the architect was quietly taken into custody near his office in Manhattan. Turney planned to announce the indictment the following afternoon at a news conference at the DA's office because Turney said he didn't want to mix politics with law enforcement, according to officials. No politicians were invited. Ballone beat him to it. The morning after the arrest, he had his own lectern set up in front of Hewman's ramshackle house in Massapequa Park. Joined by Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison, Ballone heralded the arrest and assured residents that, and I quote, we have never stopped working on this case. In law enforcement circles, criticism flew that Ballone was attempting to upstage Turney, but Ballone told The Post that as news began to leak about the arrest, bringing a crowd to the house already swamped with police, he arranged the news conference out of an obligation to inform the public not to grandstand. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is the bullshit is is still continuing. The weird protectiveness of who gets credit, the defensiveness, the retroactive, uh, we actually, it's not that we fucked up, it's that we were still working on the case. I mean, it's bananas. Uh, and this is all happening while Hewman is is under arrest. Now, Dad, this case is to say this case is actually it's it's happening right now. It is, mm. um, and I on the DNA, uh, as you know, they've got mitochondrial DNA from a pizza crust yep. and a drink bottle. Yeah, they also found at one of the crime scenes. Yeah, a hair. Okay. Now, one of the hairs, I say a hair, so I'll be specific, a hair that is supposed to belong to human. Mm-hmm. But they also found other hairs. Those hairs belonged or belong to human's wife, which is, which is fascinating. Um, fortunately, they have... Um, concluded that the wife and children were were never in proximity in fact interstate or overseas during all of the murder abductions mm-hmm. and I guess from a police perspective another very interesting thing to do would be of course then to create a a map of every single time the wife and kids were away over that 12 year period and buried deep into all of those time frames, which could be very, very interesting. But the the defence counsel, up until very recently, in the last day or so, had yep. said that um, 
because the police want to get a, a swab from inside his mouth, a cheek swab. Yes. Yep. Uh, and the team have been fiercely fighting that, very much opposed. How are they defending that that request? They're, they're it seems very reasonable to me. Well, they're saying that the DNA. It's very complicated, Paul. It's how you go about actually getting permission and justifying to a court, to a judge, because it's a big thing to give DNA, particularly if you don't voluntarily give it. I mean, it can get to the stage where they will actually tie someone down in a chair, restrain their head, and have um, an expert come in and physically, with the swab, they might have to sort of hold their mouth open and... I mean, it's. I don't think some people are going to just bend over and just give it to them, no matter what the court says. Yeah. But they need this um, this swab. But the defence counsel are saying that the evidence, the circumstantial evidence, mm-hmm. is not that strong. And I, perhaps they would say that. But DNA evidence is not incom- incontrovertible. It's it's powerful. Again, this is a classic case of circumstantial evidence. There is no witness, except for the offender. Um, But DNA evidence has not been around that long. The first ever recorded case of a conviction in a murder Mm -hmm. using DNA evidence. Would you like to have a guess what year that was, Paul? I'd say sometime in the 70s. Oh, that's interesting you say that. It was 1986. And it was a double murder yeah. in England. That is the first time. Now, back then, mm-hmm. they needed a lot of DNA. Right. Like, they needed a like lot of Like a cup of, of blood. Like a Just lot. so much stuff. You know, they, yeah. needed, they needed fluids, you know, so much. But, of course, as time progresses... Mm-hmm. They require less and less and less. Yeah. But I started to read a dissertation on DNA gathering. Yeah. It's a paper that was written in Finland and translated into English. It's about 150 pages and the complexity of DNA that made me think that when they do or have the trial in this particular case and a lot of the you know the the prosecution evidence is going to be based on dna they are going to have experts from all over the world coming in and you can bet your bottom dollar they will have as many experts to counter all the evidence that is being put forward by the prosecution so that the defense will find as many experts that will be able to counter every single argument put forward by the prosecution. Yeah. Now, the one thing I gleaned from this scientific paper is that the jury are going to have a tough time stick, sort of being able to stay with the incredibly complex evidence, which then opens up another Pandora's box about juries, and that is to say that is a jury really capable? And that's not to sort of under or overestimate juries, but we must consider that in some countries, including the Netherlands, they yeah. do not have juries. 
Well, I think trial by jury is risky, especially when we're entering an age of misinformation. And I think, especially given that American courts are so weirdly stacked with extreme partisanship, specifically in the wrong direction, uh, it's getting harder and harder to rely on juries and judges. It's mm. it's really it's really difficult. Uh, I I can imagine how scary it is, but. Sometimes the classics work. Sometimes when the evidence is there, even if it's lots of circumstantial evidence, you've got things like phone records, you've got burner phones, you've got cell tower pings, you've got shit being dug up. I mean, the fact is, over the next few months, years, we're probably going to find out a lot of really horrifying stuff about this case. They've already made movies about this. It's going to become an absolute carnival. If you are living in Massapequa Park... Uh, first of all, if you're living in Massapequa Park and you listen to the show, please get in touch with us. I would love to hear your insights as to what it's like to live in the epicenter of a maelstrom of press attention. But long story short, Dad and I, will we will check back in with this case uh, once there are more developments, either in a loose ends or an episode proper. But either way, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with this, but we're going to keep you posted. And thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Thank you for listening to our part four look at the case of the Long Island serial killer as it develops. We'll be back later this week with Loose Ends. Dad and Mum are actually going to do something very special, which I won't spoil for you, but they're going to talk about it on one or more of them are going to talk about it on Loose Ends this week. And then we'll be back next week with more Loose Units. But in the meantime, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. And we will see you all very soon for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.